0: Uh, Well, if you are at home there, you've got your Bible, please go and grab that and open it to Psalm 34. It'd be great to have that with you as we're going through. Uh, This is the third and final week uh, in the Gospel According to David. Uh, These are Psalms that are picked up in the New Testament uh, that help to explain the Gospel of Jesus. Uh, And and this third week uh, really flows out of the first two weeks. Uh, So in the first week, you remember, we looked at Psalm 110, And that opened our eyes to the greatest reality uh, in life. That is that Jesus is Lord, uh, risen at the right hand of God in power and reigning over his enemies until he comes again. Uh, Then last week was Psalm 32 uh, and we saw the greatest happiness in life uh, is to be forgiven of our sin through Jesus Christ uh, and have that happy fellowship with God through faith in him. And so now Psalm 34 today is really the greatest purpose in life, to glorify God. And really, this is just our response uh, to those first two things. Now, to glorify someone or something means to show how great it is. Like I I like to glorify uh, my lush green grass out the front of my house, Uh, not in winter, but in spring, definitely, Uh, Sometimes I just go outside and just enjoy looking at it. Uh, If you come over to my house in spring, uh, then I will show you. I'll say, look at my lush green lawn and we'll enjoy it together. Um, And if you would like to, I can tell you how you can have a green lawn as well. Okay, so I I glorify it. And to glorify God uh, means to live your life in such a way that you show how great he is. And really, that'll mean walking a path of obedience to him in response to his great salvation. Uh, And it's important to know that uh, this life of obedience to God uh, will not be easy. Uh, In fact, uh, it's a life that brings a lot of hardship and suffering. Uh, As Paul says to a church in Acts, uh, he says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And this is true for all Christians. And, you know, suffering is a great obstacle to glorifying God uh, because it can tempt us to doubt God's goodness and his power uh, and to leave that path of obedience uh, for an easier one. Uh, But suffering is also a great opportunity to glorify God uh, because in suffering we can show that God's love uh, is better than life. That suffering with Jesus is better than life uh, free of suffering but also free of Jesus. And so we see this actually in David's life. Uh, If you've been reading through uh, 1 Samuel uh, in preparation for 2 Samuel which we're starting next week, uh, then you will know this. Uh, The back half of 1 Samuel is really uh, David's suffering as he's on the run from King Saul uh, who wants to, to kill him. Uh, So David's on the run for his life. And this psalm we read today uh, comes out of that time in David's life. It's also a psalm that is picked up by Peter in the New Testament. Um, And one of the reasons I think Peter loved this psalm is because the church that he wrote to was suffering. Uh, And he saw in David's experience uh, some great instruction and teaching for them. It's also a psalm that is picked up by John in his gospel as he wants to explain for us the death of Jesus and how Jesus glorified God through his suffering. Uh, and so, if you are someone who follows Jesus, uh, this is why it's important for you because the path of obedience is going to bring suffering of many kinds. Uh, I'll bet there are many things that you do in your life uh, that are hard that you wouldn't do uh, if you didn't follow Jesus. Uh, Like praying or serving in church or giving uh, or talking to people about Jesus or watching church online um, and so on. All these things can be hard and can bring a degree of of suffering in our lives because we follow Jesus. And all these things can can tempt us uh, to leave that path for one reason or another, and find an easier one. And so how can you remain on the path of obedience to God? Uh, How can you live a life uh, that glorifies him, uh, even through suffering? Well, David shows us how in this psalm today. Uh, So we're going to look at the psalm as David wrote it. Uh, Along the way, we'll see how Peter picks it up and applies it to uh, the church and their situation. And finally, we're going to see how Jesus fulfils it for us. So here's a a brief outline. Uh, We're going to look at David glorifies the Lord, David's experience, David's invitation, uh, then finally David's instruction. Uh, So firstly, David glorifies the Lord in verses 1 to 3. And as we said, this this psalm comes out of a time of suffering in David's life. And we see that in the introduction, says, of David, uh, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. So David on the run comes into the region of this king that he is afraid of, he might tell Saul. Uh, and so to escape, he acts like a madman, Okay, like saliva running down his beard, scratching at doorposts, it tells us. Uh, really weird. Uh, but then the king goes, this guy's mad and he sends him away. And as we hear in, in this psalm, uh, David reflects that this was actually a time of great suffering for him. Uh, he says it was a time of affliction and fear and shame and being broken hearted and crushed in spirit. Uh, but God delivered him from this time. and That's why he begins by, by glorifying God. And he says, glorify the Lord with me. He calls people into this with him. And so he says in verse one, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. And interesting here, you know, you know, David is glorifying God after, you know, God saved him. Uh, but we also see that he he does this at all times and always. It tells us there. And we see this in another Psalm where David is suffering. Psalm sixty three. And there David says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And right there, David is saying that before God has delivered him, uh, during his suffering. See, David glorifies the Lord at all times because having his love in suffering uh, is better than a life without those things. So David glorifies the Lord. Uh, Then he tells us of his experience. And we see what David did in suffering here, uh, as he recounts for us his experience. And so it tells us there that uh, in this time of suffering, uh, he sought the Lord in verse 4. Verse 5, he looked to him. Verse 6, he called to God. And what did God do? Well, it tells us there in verse 4, he answered. uh, He delivered Verse 5, he made David radiant or, you know, glowing with happiness. And verse 6, uh, he heard and saved David out of all his troubles. So basically, David called, God answered. Uh, it made me think of the time when uh, Jesus was walking on water and Peter wants to come out and, and see him on the water. And so he walks out, uh, but he sees the wind and the waves and he begins to sink And he calls out to the Lord. He says, Lord, save me. And then Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and saved him. And this is a picture of how you glorify God in your suffering. Uh, You call out to him to save you. uh, And you trust that he is going to answer. And so what did David do is that he used his experience uh, as an invitation to others uh, to experience the same thing. And so now we get to David's invitation to others. And David's invitation is to taste and see that the Lord is good uh, in verse 8. And, and I think the verses around this are telling us how we do that. Right? So how do, how do we taste God? Well, we, verse 7, we fear God. And verse 8, we take refuge in God. And verse 10, we seek him. That is how we we taste and experience God. And then if we do that, we will see how good God is. So verse 7, we'll see that we are protected. Verse 8, you will see that you are blessed or happy, as we saw last week. Verse 9, that you will lack nothing. And verse 10, you will lack no good thing. David's saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we see this is the first time that then Peter quotes this psalm as he's writing to the church. And he writes to a church who, you know, like David, they are suffering. Um, they're most likely experiencing what we might call a soft persecution uh, where they're not being you know, killed for their faith, but they're being criticised and discriminated against, ridiculed, excluded, shamed. Right? Sounds familiar to our time. And these are hard things. Uh, But Peter encourages them to keep going following Jesus. So 1 Peter 2, verse 1 says, And therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That's right. Peter's saying here, you've tasted the goodness of God, right? You have have believed in Jesus. You've been born again of the Spirit and you have the hope of eternal life, right? And God is is protecting and guarding you uh, until you come into that eternal life in the end, right? He says, you have tasted that. Now that you have tasted, uh, you should want more of that. Now that you've tasted salvation, You should want more salvation you should want to grow up into this salvation right now that you have a taste for God uh, you have this new taste for obedience to God so this is something that David goes on to teach us about uh, right and he calls it the fear of the Lord so these are David's instructions to us uh, in verse 11 David says to us there, he says, come, my children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Right, and this is an an easily misunderstood uh, phrase in the Bible. Uh, It doesn't mean you're you're afraid of God, you know, so you do what he says because you're scared of him. Um, It's actually a response to knowing God uh, where you gladly do what God says. It is your joy to do that. Uh, You might have heard fear described as as awe or or respect or reverence for God Uh, and those things are really good descriptions of what it means to fear God but they just don't don't capture um, what is the intensity of desire uh, in the fear of the Lord. Um, And so here's a picture of what it means to fear and thanks to Josh Wheeler who who pointed this out to me, Uh, this is a girl uh, in a Beatles concert in the 60s you can see her badge there, I love Ringo. Um, and, and she is not afraid of the Beatles, but she is overwhelmed with desire for them when she sees them. Uh, and this is kind of what it's like to fear God. Right? It is an intense desire for him. Right? It, is a, it is a deep love and a longing for God. Where you want to live a life that is pleasing to him. Uh, you want to you obey him. You want to live a righteous life uh, the way God tells you to. And so that's what David teaches when he teaches the fear of the Lord. Uh, it's about the things that you say and the things that you do. See, uh, verse 13 and 15 here, 13 to 15. David says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. Now this is the second part of um, this psalm that Peter picks up in his letter and like David, he wants to instruct the church uh, to fear God. And so listen to what uh, Peter says just after he quotes the psalm, um, he says this and you can hear these echoes of, of what this psalm is teaching us. So Peter says to the church, uh, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. So Peter's, you know, revere Christ as Lord there is like David's uh, fear the Lord. And right, so what, What's being said here is having tasted his goodness, now fear him. Right? Don't fear suffering. Don't fear those who cause it, uh, but fear God. Right? Uh, call out to him in your suffering and continue to do good when you are suffering. Live that righteous life. Do good, do right uh, according to the will of God. All right? And you do that, you stay on that path no matter what the cost that is what David is calling us to. That is what Peter is calling the church to. Uh, and as you think about doing that, if you're like me, you think, "Man, I, I do not fear God um, the way that I should. I, I don't desire Him like I should. Right? I, I seem to have more desire for like Netflix shows than I do for God. And, and we don't obey God like we should." Right? How often do we leave the path of obedience when it gets hard? And we just look for that much easier way to go, uh, even if that means sin. And so we do not glorify God like we should, uh, but that's why uh, we should be so thankful uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, because he did. And so this is, you know, it's a Psalm of David, uh, but it is a psalm that is fulfilled in Christ. You know, David's life is a great example of glorifying God. We can learn from that. Uh, but the best thing about David's life uh, and the psalms that he wrote is that they prepare us for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and Jesus was one who fulfilled this psalm. He glorified God perfectly uh, in his life and fulfilled uh, what this psalm is talking about. Uh, and so, you know, Jesus' life was sinless. Uh, he, he always obeyed God. He, ne- he never left that path of obedience, even to death. And so according to this psalm, as you look at Jesus, he should be someone who is blessed by God and protected. Uh, but what we see in the Gospels is Jesus suffering uh, and suffering to the point of death. And so the question that sh- we should be asking is, what is going on here? Uh, But that's a question that the Gospel writers want to answer for us and that's what John does uh, when he quotes this psalm in his Gospel. Uh, He wants us to understand what is going on when Jesus dies on the cross. So John tells us as Jesus was on the cross, um, soldiers are sent to break uh, his legs uh, so that he dies more quickly. Uh, But when they come to Jesus on the cross, they find that he's, he's already dead and so they don't break his legs. And John says, this happened to fulfil Psalm 34. Uh, In verse 20, it tells us this. It says that he protects all his bones, uh, that not one of them will be broken. And so John is telling us that despite how things looked when Jesus was on the cross, uh, Jesus was the righteous man in the psalm. Uh, Jesus was one who glorified God perfectly in his life, even through his suffering. And, and we know, uh, as, as we reflect upon uh, what Jesus did, that he did it for us. Right, Peter tells us that uh, so beautifully in that, in that verse we read today. Uh, Peter says that Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And so we know that that Jesus suffered to bring us to God. And this is what we spoke about last week, uh, is that our sin is counted to Jesus and his righteousness, his perfect righteousness is counted to us uh, so we can be forgiven of sin and just have this perfect fellowship with God now and forever. And God glorified Jesus uh, after his death He he raised him from death, so we spoke about in week one and Psalm 110. He raised him uh, to reign as king at his right hand and Jesus will reign until he comes again. And so we are called to glorify God in response to these things. We don't don't fear and obey God to earn his love and forgiveness, uh, but we do it in response to being forgiven and loved by God through Jesus. Right? After tasting the goodness of God, we want more of him. And this is not something we do in our own strength. Okay, we, we, The Bible tells us that we are united with Jesus. As he lives, we live in him uh, and he strengthens us uh, to live this life glorifying God. In fact, we should, we should hear Jesus saying to us, uh, glorify God the Lord with me uh, as one who fulfills this psalm Jesus invites us uh, to glorify God not on our own in our own strength uh, but with him and through him and what a wonderful relief that is what a wonderful relief that is Jesus doesn't say you know I've done my bit uh, now you do your bit it's your turn uh, it doesn't just leave us, you know, here on earth just to struggle our way through life. Now Jesus glorified God for us, uh, so now we can glorify God with him. All right, and, and, and the place that we can see that most clearly and one of the greatest opportunities we have to glorify God uh, is through our suffering. You know, because there will be suffering. Uh, if, if you follow Jesus, it will come. Don't be surprised about that. But know this, uh, that we do not suffer alone because Jesus is with us. Uh, and we can call out to him, uh, trusting that he is good and he is doing good for us in all things. And we can stay on that path of obedience, no matter what happens, uh, continuing to do good. Uh, continuing to fear the Lord, uh, obedient to his commands, uh, because they are good. And when the world sees Christians living this way, uh, it glorifies God because it shows that his love uh, and life following him uh, is better than a life that is free of suffering. It shows the world that suffering with Jesus uh, is better than a life free of suffering, uh, but free of Jesus. And so when we hear verses in scripture that tell us to rejoice in suffering, this is why. Uh, Peter has one of them, uh, 1 Peter 4.13. Peter says, rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Uh, And friends, this is why we can rejoice in suffering, uh, because we know where the path ends, in glory. In glory. God will bring us and all who believe in Jesus into his eternal kingdom where there will be no more suffering but only the everlasting enjoyment of God with all his people. That is why we can endure suffering, remain on that path because we know where it ends and we know that the Lord Jesus is with us And so would you hear these words as we finish? Uh, Hear Jesus saying to you, uh, glorify the Lord with me. Uh, He is with us always to the very end. Praise God for that. Uh, Let's pray now that God will do this work in us uh, as we are not able to do it without him. So let's pray for that work. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our King who died and rose again and rules at your right hand. May your praise always be on our lips. And we thank you for your forgiveness, for the gift of the Spirit, and the hope of eternal life. And so we pray, as we have tasted your goodness in these things, that you would fill us with desire for your glory, that we would fear your name, that we would live lives of obedience that glorify you, and Father, we thank you that we are not alone in our suffering, but that Jesus is with us. He is our refuge and strength, and always will be to the end of the age. And so it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.